Uh, you remember the intro piece, Mike? What? I'm Mike. <laughs> I'm Mike. <laughs> you nailed it. Hey, it's Engineering Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Brian. And I'm Mike. Right? Uh, welcome back <laughs> for another... Thanks for thanks for joining us for another hang in the laboratory. Is that what we're calling it? I wish it were a laboratory. <laughs> so let's keep using that word. Uh, special thanks, as always, to our backers on Patreon, who throw us as little as a buck an episode to uh, help keep this thing rolling. Uh, if you contribute over there, you can come hang out in our Slack workspace where we make all this stuff, uh, and where you can talk to our guest today. Mike, I'm Mike. Hi. Yes, I am. <laughs> I, and uh, and you can always talk to me, especially uh, in in, a, in one of a series of languages, but not all of the languages. I'd say the preferred what language is probably on just recognized as an official language in some capacity. I feel like I saw that headline. What is Klingon? I think it is. I, I, I would. I mean, I think I read you can actually take a course in it somewhere. Oh yeah, like Coursera offers a class now <laughs> or something, or one of those languages. Rightly courses. so. Yeah. <laughs> Moving yeah. on. Well, uh, Jones, what are we talking about today? <laughs> uh, we are talking about privacy today. Hot topic for everyone who has heard of a company called Facebook uh, and potentially the company that has allegedly done some things that have upset some people called Cambridge Analytica. I like how Jones brought you brought sort of like a Vincent Price uh, like horror movie narrator <laughs> into that. I like when you recognize things that are happening like that. Yeah, I try, I try to remain as observant as possible. <laughs> and that's Mike, who, if you if you haven't met on this podcast before, is a friend of ours, screenwriter up here in LA. You're missing some good episodes if you haven't um, heard Rosolio's. Yeah, certainly. My seriously, my favorite episode is the one where we. Just broke down rhetorical, formal rhetorical arguments, you know, for how to argue good. I I majored in a weird thing. Uh, Brian and I have been doing, uh, give me a piece of science, something you ran into over the week that you were like, hey, that's cool. A piece of a piece of science that I ran into. It doesn't have to be science. Just, you know, it's engineering, whatever. I'll give you an example. Did you see that the Atlanta government systems got hacked and ransomed they may still be under ransom yeah this stuff's gonna get bad um they don't have access to a bunch of municipal systems or at least they didn't like they couldn't issue warrants and stuff like that there's (laughs) the only part that i love though is the place where i learned about this was like a uh, podcast where they immediately then cut in an interview with the like <laughs> grizzled police chief character who was like, I told him, I told him, and that's why they still learn the paper. I thought you were say the grizzled police officer like <laughs> so told them like, what software so systems they, they should have updated. Using, you know, carbon <laughs> copies and whatever, you know, infrastructure before the internet. Uh, He's like, mean, it'll be good for the, the youngsters the world will to happen learn. Because our software systems will get hacked. So that's what's coming. <laughs> oh, that was fantastic. No, that day is coming now. <laughs> But anything else good? Sure. Uh, so I, I learned that turmeric is really good for you. <laughs> that, that, that's what I learned. At the same time, I've already been over that hump of learning it's real good for you and then running into a study that says, eh, yeah, my, my, maybe not. My, my study is right, though. And, and it's, <laughs> it's interesting because it seems to have a lot of really cool things. Actually, my, my, uh, 
a friend of mine tore this out of a magazine for me, an article from Psychology Today about how awesome turmeric is. Mm. And um, what's really, really cool about it, it's not one of these like sort of silly wonder drug things that pretends to do everything. But the things that I, I have difficulty with, it does all of them really, really great. It's good for like inflammation. And I have, <laughs> I have all kinds of like, you know, hand crampy stuff all the time. It's good for anxiety. It's apparently good for digestion. But I think also that might be coincided from the fact that I'm not eating exclusively just like total shit all the time. Um, I, I'm trying to sort of make that general, general adjustment. But uh, I've, learned, I've learned how good turmeric is. And I've learned that nice. um, nutrition in general is uh is as effective uh it goes in conjunction <laughs> with uh with medication but it can be as effective as uh, anti-anxiety medication which is really really cool and uh and it's funny because like in I, I i there's a great article okay so this is what i learned look what you did look what you did here um there was an article i saw I'll, I'll send it to you it's called like the last nutrition article you ever <laughs> need to read and it's just this one guy talking to this one doctor about virtually every nutrition fad of the last like 20 years. And it's funny because like, it's really funny in general because he's like, no, that's not a thing. Like literally the opposite of what, you're, what you say is true. But but the one that really stands out and stood out the most was that people for the most part, like kind of universally, they know how they're supposed to eat. Like it's it's not, there's not really a, like a sort of like hack or, or, or scientific element to it. Sure. You can find a new diet. You can find the keto thing. You can find whatever things. All these different like sort of they come and they go. They come and they go. Oh. At the end of the day, though, it's like you know what you're supposed to do. <laughs> That's a great description. You know, like that. Like I. But Jack in the Box is so <laughs> it delicious. Real good. And you know that afterwards, when <laughs> when you feel like raccoons are having babies in your stomach. So so veggies and turmeric, man. That's where it's at. Yeah. I also read, by the way, that what like so there's things called like the blue zones, yeah. which are like countries that have like a high percentage of people living to a hundred with like total cognitive ability and stuff, which is awesome. Um, a lot of it comes down to how difficult their food is to eat. Like they're like so so in terms of like like two of the of the yeah. of the countries are chopstick countries, uh, uh, Korea and South Korea, and uh, and Japan, where the primary sort of eating utensils are chopsticks. And, yeah. and the reason why that's significant is that you can't just shovel the food into your mouth with a chopstick. You can't Homer Simpson it. And because you have to – are sort of like limited by how much you're allowed to do at a time, your, your brain can tell you to stop at the appropriate time oh, until you, you – know, rather than having you kind of just power through it because <laughs> there's still food on the plate. Even the idea of being able to talk about the blue zone relative to that dietary thing like kicks back into the privacy conversation because – what we'll get to, I think, as we break down the Cambridge Analytica thing is that there's this weird gray area we have to talk about now where you have to share a certain amount of information to partake of this glorious world of internet delights. Uh, but but the price is you have, to, you have to share a certain amount of information about what you're up to, which I think has, it's just the way it's always been. It's just getting weird now because of the internet. It's just a scale issue, I think, right? Because this this takes us back to kind of the starting point of like what is privacy, right? Because right. as soon as you go to interact with another human being, you're there's layers of privacy being shed, right? And so now we're just artificially choosing to introduce a thing into our private space that foregoes the need to be in the physical presence of another human to relinquish our privacy to an extent, for sure. I mean, even if just never mind, let, let's talk about like routing protocols, you know, just to get the traffic to go through the Internet. 
they need to know like an origin node and then it moves to the this other node and then goes to this other place and there's so many places where if you don't sort of give up like yo i'm over here in southern california you can't you can't be on the internet well, I don't know. There's ways to route around it and to like obfuscate that information, but for a wireless signal to get to me, well, we can go way right? down to like the concept that you can't measure things without affecting them. So, like the universe just doesn't function without all your information being available. It's like a fundamental property of our existence that you, what you are and what you're doing, has to be made available to the rest of the universe for you to be part of the universe. So that feels weird and silly to our conscious brain that's trying to process complex high-level nonsense like our emotional response to the color of an advertisement uh but that's kind of the kind of the case right like your stuff's just out there so let's back it up the title of the episode is privacy like what do you what do you mean what do you mean when you say privacy right like what's this thing that you feel like you have a right to is it uh, my door is closed right now and we have an agreement that no one else will come in here without knocking. Cause you guys can only see me from the waist up. I might not be wearing pants. <laughs> hey, that's my, You're not wearing pants. I don't want you to see my privates. I'm actually going to the oh. OED right now. To... <laughs> let's, let's start with, let's start with this part. Let's start with the Oxford English with dictionary. Definition. How rhetorical of you. Oh God! How rhetoric oh, student of you! Oh, no. I need a reference. <laughs> so, the state, the state or condition of being free from being observed or disturbed by other people—that is what privacy means, uh, according to its definition. So, here's a thought, and I don't know if this is back. That was an appeal far, to authority, but like, <laughs> it was a, yeah, hold on. Uh, but, in, but in terms of what privacy is, I think that another uh, another question to kind of go along with it is. Um, do human beings actually need it? Because here's the deal. If you think about it, for it's it's kind of a new concept. You know what I mean? Like for hundreds and thousands of years, everyone lived very communally. Everyone lived under the same roof. If you go to, uh, you know, the James Buchanan house, for example, it's like a it looks like a studio apartment with a roof on it, and like eleven people lived in there. And you're like, well, James Buchanan has seen everyone in his family poop. <laughs> so, so but James Buchanan was never like, I need, I'm, I'm, I'm worried that people are right. are, are going to observe me <laughs> or bother me. Um, but, but slowly but surely, it kind of became this thing that became not only something desired, but but a a right. It became a thing that uh, that was kind of not only dovetailed directly with what we think a human deserves to have, but also what an American is entitled to as a citizen of the country. Um, and for years and years and years, we basically went from going log cabin, 10 to a room to smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And it's not until recently that we're kind of back in the, in the, the log cabin watching each other poop. Cause that's what the internet is, right? Yeah. you know, like, like, but, but here's the question then, like, and this is more for you guys who are, who are more plugged into the actual, uh, the uh, science of it all like does that mean that people as a species uh, would rather have connection than privacy because that's what the internet is right I mean like mm-hmm. so many of the of the of the of the uh, various levels of evolution of the internet 
are designed to do two things. One is be in a scenario where I don't have to rely on people. Hmm. Those are the people who want to be in the middle of nowhere and, and order a pizza like Sandra Bullock in the net. Uh, <laughs> but then the other side of it is the sort of Web 2.0 thing, which is how we got in this mess in the first place, right? Like Facebook only exists so you feel connected to people. Right. That's the only purpose of it. And they manipulate you based upon your ability to connect. So like I deleted my Facebook account because I'm evolved. And when you do... <laughs> The first thing it does, the Are Your Sure page, it shows pictures of people and says, Brian will miss you. Adam will miss <laughs> no you. No way. And, I, and I'm super susceptible to stuff like that. However, it worked out fine because of the five people they showed me. I really only knew one of them. <laughs> like, I really only talked to one of them. So, but that's the thing is like, that's what it's pulling on. Right. Uh, because that works. But then like, there's this, so there's a question that gets us to eventually talking about the Cambridge Analytica stuff. Of at what point does uh, using things that you have to make public in order to take part in that ecosystem of, of social connection? Like you said, they manipulate you to do, you know, whatever. And that's kind of the thing that advertising has always done. We're just in this weird space now where they're able to do it with things that feel like when Siri knows how to respond to what you say, like a, a problem we're chasing is uh, let this thing understand you and then recommend stuff for you to make your life easier. They can't do that without ingesting data about what you're up to. Right. Um, and a lot of that we offer up and, and things that we want to have happen, happen because of that. <clears throat> but then occasionally you get this thing that, that bumps us into the Cambridge Analytica piece. But there's a relevant piece to know in there from a constitutional law standpoint, which is there isn't actually an expressly recognized right to privacy. Right. It's a thing no that in the, in the Constitution. There kind it of sort is, of though. Out of your right. Well, exactly. So we have the right against... Uh, you can't come into my house. search and seizure. I, I, I can. That's arguably right, privacy. Yeah, right. But they've never distinctly said a right to privacy. And so now you have the stuff you're sending out of your house right. in this legal gray area where somebody like, like I think one of the things with this Cambridge Analytica stuff is I don't know if anyone goes to jail. I don't know. I haven't read up on it enough, but I, I feel like they did a thing that feels sneaky. Uh, and maybe they screwed up by doing it on behalf of a foreign government. But my understanding of the scheme they ran is people agreed to give up this data all along the way in ways where they it was unclear that that was going to happen. And so that's sort of questionable. But that's how like click through licenses. How many of you have read your iTunes terms of nobody, service? Nobody has. Every day. I read it every day. <laughs> no, but, but that's, a, that's a really great point. That's a... That's, that's the thing that makes this all the shadier. And it's what makes it also a modern issue because... The reason why you don't have a right to privacy on Facebook is because you're you're willingly walking through the door. Facebook's not kicking down your door. They might now that I deleted it, but like <laughs> you know, you're willingly saying you're doing it. So like that's when you and that's how you get around the, like the do not call list, for example. Like if you're on the federal do not call list, you may have clicked on you know you go to CVS and you sign up for your rewards card, and by doing so, you say CVS can call me, even if it's a box check. Then all of a sudden, CVS is selling your your. I, I don't know why I'm banging on CVS. I love CVS; yeah. it's a great pharmacy. But my point is <laughs> is that um, it gets especially shady and, and kind of like you said, sneaky, but not necessarily, you know, invasive. 
when you yourself have signed up for it. And that's what so shady about what Katie Cambridge Analytica did was they found a way to get people to willingly give their shit up. <clears throat> so, you know, especially with everything being all uh, frightening and, 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 uh, and seemingly like dystopian now, like that's very much plugged into all this stuff, whether it's, uh, whether it's, you know, a war based dystopia or a, or a like, you know, police state based dystopia. Um, the one thing they all have in common, and this kind of goes, this is really where your Cambridge Analytica's, your information, your privacy becomes a larger discussion, uh, is that every dystopian fiction you've ever read involves a loss of privacy. Mm-hmm. Like, wh- whether it's Brave New World, 1984, they, they, they all, even, you know, Hunger Games, you know, they all have different ways into the world being kind of this screwed up scary future. All of them share this version of losing your privacy. I watched the new Blade Runner on a plane, by the way, as it, as it was meant to be seen on a, t- on a tiny screen on a, on a back of a seat. Um, the new one or the old one? Yeah, the new one, which is like, you know, uh, they're both kind of visually insane. And yet here I am watching on basically a, a deck of playing cards. Um, you know, part of the, of the, of the, the, the horror of that world was that Ryan Gosling's character could hear his neighbors through his walls and everyone's living on top of each other and everyone knows who each other are. And you can scan each other to, to, uh, to see serial numbers on the, on the replicates, you know, all these things. So it really does point to the fact that this is something that humans have deep inside of. It's like, whether, whether we crave privacy or don't need it, it's something that we're very Mm -hmm. aware of like 24 seven. Because it scares it us. It definitely scares us. L- losing it scares us. Losing it scares us. Uh, ha- having it can scare us. Yeah, the whole time you were so, you were talking about that, I was thinking, well, is it used because it's important? Is it used in that context to be scary because it's important, or just because we know it's a trigger point for people that makes them uncomfortable? Uh, which is irrelevant, I suppose, right? But. Um, well, here's the thing. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing. Like, I, I talk to my parents about this sometimes. And like, my mom doesn't have passwords on anything. And her logic is, hmm. <laughs> I don't have anything that anyone would want to steal from me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I and what I always say in, in my sort of more more paranoid way of thinking is, do you have things that you want to keep? <laughs> <laughs> because so much is based on ransom, you know, ransomware is a thing. So like, people are freaked out about loss of privacy for two reasons. Number one is they don't want people watching them. And number two is they don't want people doing sneaky stuff with their with their information. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like you don't you can be the most open person in the world. You can take a poop in broad daylight. I don't know why I'm using poop as the analogy, but it's a pretty it's a a private theme. activity. It's an engineering theme. It's a theme. It's, it hasn't uh, been a theme in that that long. We back. <laughs> but we're bringing it back. I haven't been on it. I'm long. happy. I'm, I'm fine with it. So, uh, but 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 even if you are the most open person in the world. You still don't want someone stealing your credit card, and you know what you know what I'm saying. So like, that's a that, that but that, that is part of I think the fear yeah. of of lack of privacy, even for people who don't who aren't as uh, as afraid of, of sort of being yeah, and seen. Yeah, that's a di- that's an interesting place to go with it too, because that feels more of like a legal. There's a privacy thing there, right? Like the right to keep my passwords private. But there's also it also crosses over into like a theft component where like you're coming in to right. get something, as opposed to like this 
there's the I, when I think of privacy initially, I think in broader terms, right? Like of abstract things about me. Like I don't want people knowing what I do throughout the day, right? Which isn't like a thing exactly. It's not a tangible item someone's going to take. It's not something that I necessarily use to obtain other things. It's more like the weird abstractness of my being. <clears throat> I need it to be private sometimes. Whereas I feel like passwords or credit card numbers or the key to my house you're totally right that's it's a private there's a privacy layer to that uh but i feel like the conversation needs in context there's like there are a lot of layers to how like things that need to be private and what they are right it it gets into that weird place of stealing all my abstract it's like it's taking your being it's like when people used to fear that a camera was going to steal their soul right Same so thing. here's the problem everything we do that is in the sort of philosophical space of overlapping with that kind of like the things that embarrass you or whatever, mm -hmm. we're doing them online now. Mm -hmm. And so right. all of them have like keys, right? Like if you had a key ring full of physical keys <laughs> out of the things that are legally protected, right? Like it's behind my locked door. You know what that means. You're not supposed to come take it. And we have thousands of keys and people forget them and they're easy to steal because they're just words. And so you suddenly have this weird world where we want to have walls in certain places with locked doors in them, but then we have to give up control of those keys in different yeah. ways. And it's, and it's just this weird line now where if you gave up the key, then that's your prerogative. If even if you didn't know you were doing it, yeah, right. You, you know, and this is not new to the digital era. I think of course, is, uh, is a thing to understand here and very interesting, right? Absolutely not. And and, and what's what's interesting is that uh, you know I think about this guy that we all went to high school with, uh, Alan Gilbert, and occasional guest on the podcast. Used to walk up to people in the hallway and just kind of corner them and say, "Would you rather uh, the world be run by anarchy or utopian communism?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, first of all, it's like way too early in the day to talk about this. But, but this is what he would do. And I think the point he was trying to make was that the trade that people make in terms of civilization, he's a heady, he's a heady kid, uh, was that you're trading your safety. Yeah, you're, you're trading. For years, the sort of like the, the trade for human beings who want to be a part of civilization was you're trading your privacy and your freedom for safety and community. That's essentially what the sort of logic is behind utopian communism. And the logic behind you know sort of anarchy is that everyone's on their own, everyone's doing their own thing. However, the modern version of it, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it all about privacy because you're right. Like the, like the theft issue just kind of adds a layer of fear to it. But the modern trade-off is that you are willingly trading your privacy for convenience, mm -hmm. and that is something that is almost inescapable for somebody. So I've you know I I'm off I'm an egg on Twitter. I'm off every social media. I was doxxed before by by a lovely network called Fox News. So like I I I know what it's like to have that exposure. And yet I have an Alexa. <laughs> and I I I I don't always like willingly check the box where it's like, you know, please track my my whatever. But there are a lot of things in the internet and a lot of things in sort of the world that I, I remain a part of and remain connected to. And I keep because they're convenient, like Amazon. Amazon's ridiculously convenient. That's yeah. I'm not going to not go on there because I'm worried about them having my credit card numbers or knowing about me or being able to track me. So that is the part that we're willingly walking into is that we have this thing in us 
that is willing to give up the privacy for convenience, no matter whether it's, you know, living in a city in, uh, in feudal Japan, where being in the, the distant, like hills, it might be safer, or even more, you know, secluded, um, to the fact that I have these ridiculous earbuds that are wireless, that are probably listening to every word I'm saying, even though it's closed, and Apple's learning all about me as a result. So like, Right. It's just, in terms of do we need privacy, we're kind of answering that question a little bit by continuously giving it up for dumb reasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like market. Th- that's the problem with letting market behavior rule certain pieces of this, which is what legislation chips away at. And so you you start to have this question of like, should we have an amendment for privacy? And what's the line that you're going to draw for what constitutes privacy and what doesn't? Because then that has to be figured out. And we're in this weird space of if you want to join a gym you're for sure signing a contract that says they're allowed to send you emails they're probably allowed to sell your contact information you know like without your name or some shit to credit card companies they probably record to a credit bureau right so like the equifax hack is a pretty it's a much bigger deal than the cambridge analytica thing but the cambridge analytica thing makes us feel weirder because they used the sort of emotional piece. This is the part where it gets weird because once you have that data, if you start pushing out things those people will want to hear that you can tell because of their other behavior that they've given you the, like that they have unwittingly given you access to pay attention to. Now, now, now I can send you an article you will like that is verifiably false. And because of psychology, you'll see that article and go, I love it. Turmeric is so good for you. I love turmeric. So happy to hear this. <laughs> so, by, so by the way, off of what you're saying, you said something else earlier that I think is connected to this too, which is talking about how marketing for years has been doing this. And but I think mean, there's a difference. And the difference is, okay, he hasn't seen a Dumb and Dumber where they're they're crying at the insurance commercial. No. Uh, no. Ah, uh, all right. Well, watch Dumb and Dumber. It's really funny. But okay, better example. Act it out. No, there was a genius commercial by Ikea that showed this lamp and it was basically like a camera angle from the POV of the lamp. And the lamp was like watching another lamp get brought in and the, the lamp was like carried out over someone's shoulder and you saw the POV being taken outside and they put the lamp on the corner and the, and the lamp was, it was looking at, it looks like the lamp looking inside and they turn on the new lamp and it starts raining on the lamp and it zooms out and there's this old Swedish man who goes, you feel sorry for the lamp. That's because you are crazy. It has no feelings and the new one is much better. So, but the joke is like, they're, they're, you've been emotionally manipulated to feel some way. It's really good. The thing that's different about now, though, and the different thing that's different about Cambridge Analytica, and the thing that's different about our, our modern era is that it's not the abstract notion of you feeling sorry for the lamp that's pulling on you anymore. You're being pulled by your friends. You're being you're, the information of your friends and 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 the the like uh, your friends um, endorsing something. That is the thing they're using to manipulate you now. So now it's not a matter of, you know, I feel sorry for the lamp. They're telling me that Jones feels sorry for the lamp and why don't you? You know what I mean? And 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 that's the part that's so different. And that's the thing that like works even better. <laughs> so that's always been going on, right? It's just a scale issue at this point, right? Yeah. Like being able to do it to that many people. And, and is it even a new conversation? I don't. Th- I don't think it is. It's just we're pointing fingers at something different. Like the idea of fake news. It's just like muckraking, right? Like I mean, people making up stories and put and publishing them has always been a thing. It just seems like when, oh, yeah. once you, 
the problem is that we will irrationally go with the social answer over over a facts-based answer. And that's just always been the case. It's why religious wars are fought. <laughs> like, so it's this tribal behavior. So I guess... And it's being manipulated using data systems where they have like algorithms that they go and sell to people to say, this will find a social audience and it will grow it. So this kind of forces the conversation of, uh, which is a common theme here. It forces the conversation of whether or not we actually have any free will, right? Because part of what everyone dislikes about this is the fact that you can take a computer and analyze all the bullshit I look at on the internet all day and then tell me what I like, which nobody likes that because it's saying you're not unique or special. You are calculable based on your the things you do, which to a very large extent, working in the profession I work in and the way I look at the world, I think that's totally true. And I think that's a very interesting aspect of our experience in the world. But it then makes you you kind of have to question then like, well, does that stuff, does it matter if they know what I'm like? Does it matter if I make decisions? Am I making decisions? And who cares what those decisions are? (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for, by the way, for freaking me out, Jones, but you're absolutely right. Even if you don't allow any location tracking, Twitter can probably guess when you're pooping. Well, yeah, yeah. They can tell because I'm on my iPad because I'm on Twitter for iPad. That's right. They know that I'm pooping. Because they know you're on Twitter for iPad and you're there for 15, obvious. 20 minutes. Well, what's really interesting... They might even know what you did the night it. before. You poop for 15 or 20 minutes? Exactly. I was trying to get that reaction because what if they know that? Who cares? Well, it's really bad for you. That's why. I care because it's really bad for you. Not if you don't cut off really, like nervous system Google, blood flow. Google prolapse. Google prolapse. And then... Increase your fiber, your fiber. Tip. Don't Google prolapse. No one Google uh, But no, but so, but so, but so to take it back to the scary place. Sometimes I want to finish reading an article. <laughs> oh God! I, well, look, I, 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 I gotta talk. I played full games of, of Sinners of Tan in the bathroom before. <laughs> anyway, listen. But in all, in all truth, like back to what Joan said in terms of like of like tracking what you know. Do we actually have free will? Are we actually making the choice we have? The thing that I do for a living is is sort of connected a little bit as well. So I wrote on a television show for Netflix called American Vandal. Great show. When we came up with the idea for Vandal, thanks. Uh, we came up with the idea for American Vandal, and we, and we came up with like even working on it in the room with the other writers. Like, I think we knew it was funny, and we thought it was a cool idea. We had no idea it was going to work or not. We had no clue. But the only people who knew <laughs> were all of the executives who sort of run the distribution for it, like. They're, they're like it, it's obviously this is gonna this is gonna this is gonna work because we're gonna make this a thing, and in terms of the sh- like the television shows, I'm using that as, as a specific example. They have behavioral data at Netflix and oh Amazon God. that we give them access to that they use to make movies they know people will watch, and I it, see billboards yes. for them, and I go, "Who the fuck is Bosch?" And there are millions of people <laughs> parents, that know exactly who that is, and they are excited to I watch. Like my, my parents know that it's Bosch. But that's what that's exactly what it is. Uh, the streaming, the, the genius of sort of streaming to, uh, entertainment is that they don't want to have everyone's favorite show. They want to have everyone's favorite show. <laughs> you know, like if you have right. a if you if you do like Bosch for example, they don't need Bosch to get twenty million people watching it every single week. But the but they want people to obsessively love Bosch. 
And, so, and you know who those people are? They're people who were obsessed with the books before the movie came out. And, and I didn't even know that the books existed. <laughs> but Amazon did because they were selling the books. Yep. So did you did you watch that uh, video that I sent before the... Oh, I see I the sent, connection now. I was wondering what the point the of that song was. <laughs> it's, uh, I sent you a, it's a song by uh, the band Titus Andronicus, or maybe the person. I don't know how they refer to themselves. Uh, called Above the Bodega. It's a song about how no matter your behavior, like if you live above a convenience store and you're drinking in the afternoon, the guy you bought the booze from down at the store knows what's <laughs> up in your life. <laughs> right? He knows when you're pooping. He knows when you're drinking. <laughs> yeah, you can hear it. Right. Okay, so day. <laughs> now I'm curious, what is, <clears throat> we've got a great example right now I think with the Cambridge Analytic, Analytica, Analytics, yeah. Analytic. I, Analytica. I think it's Analytica. They, they, Analytica. They, they, they really, it's a really like pretentious sounding name. <laughs> well, start, it kicks off with Cambridge. So it, <clears throat> well, it's based uh, at, it is based out of Cambridge. It's not based out of like, you know, Phoenix. Phoenix Analytica? What is being. That's cool too. Uh, I think that has just as strong. They do the same kind of tracking, but at a reasonable clip after work hours. See, I, I pictured a, I pictured a fiery falcon when you said Phoenix before I realized you meant the city. And so I was like, that actually is just as powerful an image. As I thought you meant the remote university. You know what you always know? You know what you always know is following you? A fiery a falcon. There's nothing sneaky about a fiery falcon chasing after you. That's very, very Norse of you. In the, in the context of the Cambridge Analytica situation, right? There's, there's the... Uh, people are making the connection that they stole private information. Let's 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 pretend like everything happened the way like it's being kind of presented. All of it required right. getting a password. So let's say getting that, a key, opening a box. <laughs> right. Let's let's say that they this company stole private information about who you are and what you like and what you do. Okay. And let's say they then took it and analyzed it. Uh, to create profiles of you, and then let's say they targeted you to affect the United States presidential election Did something to happen? change the candidate, right? Okay. Let's let's pretend that that is what happened, right? Which it seems like that that was the attempt. There was stuff like that going on, right? But let's say that is what happened, right? Now, <clears throat> is that a problem? Well, that's a good question. Is there something wrong with that? So. It, it feels, it, it like, feels it. like it should be, but at the same time, I think I think it only feels like it should be because we all have this extremely backwards way of thinking that anything we do on the internet is private. Well, how is it different than you reading a New York Times article where they have endorsed a particular presidential candidate? I think I, I see what you're saying. Like, well, I'm not talking about is it right or wrong. I'm asking, is it a problem? You're talking okay. So you're talking about the New York Times article. You're saying like if, if the editorial board of the New York Times. If the editorial board of the New York Times endorses somebody, right. how is that different than this other thing? I think because it's overt and it's the New York Times doing it and it's an appeal to authority as opposed to appeal <laughs> to your peers to bring back all my crazy ass shit. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I guess part of the part that, that is that when you're reading that article as a headline on it that says, that says uh, vote, right. vote Mookie Blaylock. New York Times you know? endorses Mookie um, But I think that it, it, it's said... Number 10. <laughs> I think the closer... The closer corollary and the reason why it's different is that it's as if this newspaper article says vote Mookie Blaylock um, or has an article that says 
uh, Mookie Blaylock's opponent uh, <laughs> eats children. Okay, this is this is At well, this is important because this is a real thing that happened. Absolutely, right? There, there is, yeah, there is, it's <laughs> well, for people who are listening who may not know what you're talking about, right? There's a conspiracy theory that Hillary Clinton was running what like child prostitution out of a pizza joint in D.C. and someone went in with a gun to kill them. Right? Is that I what happened? There's human sacrifice in there too. Yeah. So yes, here's yeah. the thing, though. The, the example up. of what you just brought up has absolutely nothing to do with privacy. It has to do with bullshit news that people are are putting out. And so this thing happened to get it out to more people. Right. But I, but that isn't the thing that seems to be bothering you. It's the it's the nonsense that's presented to the people. But I think the challenge is that the nonsense is specifically designed and curated based upon the information that's been given to you to create this bubble of. Of like to you know this bubble of alternative facts, this al- and this this bubble of an alternative world, right? That will steer you in a certain direction, and it's, that's what's so. so creepy. Can we it's tailored by experts? So I've got a, right, like you were talking about writing this show, right? Like they get this information about what they think they'll like, and then they say, "Here's a bunch of money to write a thing," you know, kind of like this, like that potential exists, and now we've been given out Oscars for. F- years in how to use that to make you cry and then we can kind of push it wherever we want and that's i want to keep chasing slightly (laughs) altering the situation to see where our perception goes so what if the new york times is what just used this system and the new york times used it to get hillary clinton elected but they only pushed truthful honest news right their editorials where they were clear they were editorials their news where they were clear was news and what was factual where does that that remove the fake news component. If you remove the fake news component, component, it's still a little shady because it's still basically like a. In terms of like, uh, okay, so I see where you're getting that. Basically, what you're saying is the thing that's the thing that's the diciest about about the what Cambridge Analytica did, and and how it all went down. What people are afraid of. It's not necessarily what they're doing. It's what they made people do. Well, I'm trying to get to what about the privacy is. The, where does the privacy part become the issue? Honestly, right? I think you're, yeah. Honestly, I think that in a case of this, it's it's way less about the privacy in terms of what actually bothers people. So how about, how about this then? So let's say nobody took private information, right? Because part of the Cambridge Analytica problem is that they, <clears throat> they allegedly went into private areas of Facebook that that whether or not you said it was okay or not, who cares, but they went into places where you weren't expecting them to go, right? They went and scanned my private Facebook messages, my private messages to you guys, my private pictures. Let's say they didn't do that. Let's say they only went to Twitter and they went to Twitter where you have publicly posted information and they scanned all of that and they they made similar types of profiles about you. And then, and then they advertised, they sent news to you. And let's say again, that it's a non-malicious a benevolent group let's say it's let's say it's a group that's like promoting something really positive like let's say it's just a group that's promoting love and peace and they profiled you on twitter with public information that you absolutely knew was public and then they promoted love and peace where is because i think i think you guys still feel weird about that right and i think i do too but i'm trying to pinpoint what i think you said earlier is right i think it's because people want to think they're making the decisions for themselves not being not being uh, guided towards a decision. Adam, you have 30 seconds. <laughs> 30 seconds. Your time begins now. You're on the clock. <laughs> uh, I think... 25 seconds. 
I would feel lar- okay. I got it. I would largely feel weird about that because if I am already being profiled as someone who's into peace and love, probably pretty effectively because they can look at the articles that I'm reading and the things peace that I lovely. click like on and give them a signal that mm-hmm. I like them. Like they're they're not changing my mind. And the problems that are important right now are you have to expand. More people have to be invited into your group for democracy to work. The problem is we've started to get to this point where we can use this algorithm all the way at the edges to get enough people into this group where you have this social feeling of belonging. So the hitch, I think, in what they did is they they found a way by using a survey that they knew would go viral to get you to give them access to your friend list, which then inherently in the system gave them access to posts that you might have tagged or not known to untag as uh, only share with friends, which feels like, you know, that's how I post most of my stuff. Mm-hmm. You have to, I have to have accepted you as a friend to be in <clears throat> this, this system. But then once you're in there, now you're part of this network of social signals they can now read a whole subset of my information that was meant to just be for friends, but I accidentally just gave up to take this stupid survey that everyone else seemed to be sharing. Um, and Jones, I, I think also in addition to what you're saying, the thing that people roast people the wrong way also is when they feel like they're being sold something, whether it's a product or an idea mm-hmm. or, 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 or an attitude or something like that. There's something inherently that feels, there's something that inherently feels ulterior, even if it's not necessarily evil. Um, an example is this, and this is really, really strange. If you're taking any of those weird like <laughs> online personality tests or anything, if you haven't, you take, take the dark triad because it's great. <clears throat> the dark triad. I for sure have done one of those to figure oh, out yeah. what my Dungeons so, and Dragons alignment the, <laughs> would be. The dark triad chaotic neutral, is, is I think. Well, chaotic neutral means you're actually a bad person. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Bad to but, play but, um, against but, poker. Uh, but, against if you do any sort of thing on the internet and then at the end it says, to see your results, give us your email address. All of a sudden you're like, man, this whole thing was about trying to get my email address. Or if at the end of the day, or if you, buy, if, if you play, you know, you download a, a game for your phone and uh, now it says big letters, in-app purchase, but you don't realize it. And then like you're playing, you're playing, you're playing and, for, and you die. And it's like, you wait, wait 10 minutes or click a button right now and for $1 you can play again immediately. You kind of have a different reaction to it. You feel like like you've been lured in um, right. and and into this sort of money-making thing. Granted, that's for making money, not for peace and love. But I think it's part of the thing that people feel icky about. And I, I think that Jones kind of hit the nail on the head when they said that people are really wary of feeling manipulated. And, they want, and if they can be manipulated, then they're not smart. They're not free-thinking. And... They're not uh, like, you know, the, the star of the movie of their own life, if you can be manipulated. And there's a lack yes, of freedom. And that's what bugs, right? bugs people out about it. That's why freedom and privacy get dovetailed a lot. When I, when I brought up the, the analogy of sort of dystopian fiction, like, yeah, yeah, and you don't get me wrong. Like, I'm somebody who I, I, I don't have any skeletons in my closet, but like when I'm doing work, I like to be by myself. It's better to do that. I like having those moments by myself to be able to sort of think and figure those things out. Mm-hmm. And losing the freedom to, to do that would feel really, really, really freaky. And it has nothing to do with my secrets being exposed or my money being taken or things like that. So maybe 
maybe that really is kind of the 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 the, the nerve at the bottom of the tooth for everybody about privacy is that you feel like your private information can be made to prove that you are not as free as you think you are. So what do we what do we do with all of our information then? Because at the moment in the world, and this this was before digital, right? This is before your smartphone and before Facebook. We've been getting tracked with everything we do, right? Every as the one of the major reasons uh, industry and businesses moved towards barcode scanners and things that scan numbers and credit cards is because we realized there's an ancillary market to sell your personal information. And so the instant you digitize, we moved from cash transactions to digital transactions in like the 50s, right? Was a huge part of that business model, that pitch to raise money to start the first credit card company was because, hey, we will know what everyone's buying and we can sell them more stuff. And so this transition has been going on for 75 years, at least, probably thousands of years before that, right? I'm sure there were ads in like ancient Rome hammered to the side of a Colosseum, right? You had to sell tickets to things. Although I think the Colosseum was always uh, free, I, wasn't it? I wasn't there. I don't know. But no, but <laughs> they but had it all figured point, out. Like people think <laughs> the big misnomer about credit cards is people think the credit card companies make money off of you defaulting on payment payments. They don't. They make money by tracking the fact that you've paid everything. That's why if you have a credit card with a points <laughs> program, that's why they give you points. They don't incentivize you to use it. That's why I don't do cash anymore because I want my goddamn points. Um, and <laughs> and I think you're right. It has been happening for a long time. But I think that I think that in order to actually make any sort of change in the in the sort of web 3.0, whatever people say that's going to be one day, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a a restricting of of the scope of what you are willing, what people are willing to do on the internet. I think that there's going to be a like this blowback against Facebook, which is real, by the way. Um, it's huge, and huge right now. you know how quickly all these platforms can can come and go. I think you're going to see almost a situation where you have these spheres, and, and there's like this first section of people you deal with on the internet. Honestly, it's kind of like what you guys do with Slack all the time. It's like a group of people you want to talk to that you talk to regularly, that you have things in common with, that you don't need to trust. I don't trust Adam worth a lick. Uh, they, they, you, uh, and then beyond that, it's almost like this bubble has portholes in it, and you can see outside of it, and you can interact with outside of it. But you're you're not gonna like. I'm not gonna send a link to uh, the Dumb and Dumber video that I would send to Kerf that to some stranger because we don't have that same relationship. And I think that the new version is going to be defining those relationships to, to further align what we're comfortable sharing. Cause back in the day, share everything, you know what I mean? And, uh, cause it, cause, uh, right. cause all the internet. Okay. This is another thing that uh, like, I think is a uh, contributes to this is that Silicon Valley culture completely ignores the idea that people would use their stuff for illegal or, or immoral purposes. They're all like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Right. People can just use, we're only yeah, people can use this for great things. Instagram oh, wait, ISIS world. is using it? Hang <laughs> on a second. You know? So so <laughs> I think it's going to be a, a little bit of, a, of, a, of an understanding of the fact that I have the convo I have with you guys, and then I have the convo that I have with Bank of America or 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 the customer <laughs> service rep on the website that I'm using or something like that. And we don't necessarily give our information out the same way because we know it's not, we know that it's not, it's not free. And I think that in terms of all your stuff with like encryption, I think it's much easier to encrypt something small. So we can encrypt the conversation that we all have, but we don't need to encrypt the stuff that's, you know, we need to do the end to end, end encryption in terms of payments, but like we may not have to encrypt as much information talking to say Amazon 
because or like places you buy stuff because you're not having those those open conversations with them anymore. Your people are getting smarter. The users are getting smarter. Because technology sure isn't. Yeah. I mean, it strikes me that that's yes. what etiquette is for, oh my God, yes. right? Like you have to test out a new social service and then gossip has to tell you what's right or wrong in that social space. And the problem is right now, the place that gossip happens oh, is Facebook. So Kerb, yeah, you just nailed something right? there. And if you think about the history of civilization in general, in terms of people going from living in caves, but like in, in small family communities to building together and saying, hey, what if all of our families all share a cave and we kind of work it out and we'll fight the bastards in the other cave, you know, all that stuff happened. <laughs> <laughs> Talking right. shit about one another served a purpose totally for right. a really long time. What it is still the does. one thing that never developed on the internet? It's etiquette. It never happened. It never happened. <laughs> and so maybe the the there's no proper behavior. Stand up straight. Right. Where like where where's where the, 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 the the tuck rule? You have to like, tuck in your shirt and walk in for the internet. I think that might be a that's privacy out. fault, though. That's because you're able to be anonymous on the internet, so you can be a total douche, and no one corrects you. And that's a pro- that's problematic. That's not a dude. Good thing. So someone someone much smarter than me said, "What if you had to have your name on everything you put on the internet?" I'm I'm public. privacy. That's a privacy gone. Privacy gone. Almost every other problem fixed. <laughs> And that's a weird systems design question because you can just make it so that you can't sign up without your social security number. But, they, yeah. but once you give that up, now you're tapped into a whole universe of information about me that is real problematic if you can manipulate it, but also... so Well, a lot of people... Oh, yeah. You're tied to this identity that has this meat space. In the wake of this, in the wake of what you're talking about, Kerb, a lot of what people are saying in terms of like what's happened recently is that what if you had to pay five bucks for Facebook? It would change. It, it, Facebook would hate it because their whole business model is based on that not happening. But like, you'd have less people. If you were on there, you wouldn't have bots on there because what? what a, you pay five dollars a bot? Like seriously, it wouldn't be cost effective right. to make fake right. accounts in order to target people. But that to opens make a money. whole other can of can of worms in terms of now is Facebook a a a circle of privilege that is completely ignoring and isolating people who can't can't afford, you know. Right, hundred, you know, hundred right. bucks would cost to do that. Yeah, because it just becomes a right. country that's the, club. That's, Wait, the problem. Right. that's why the internet needs to stay open. Social luxury afforded only by people at a, the tier that right. can pay so for it. I got a place for you guys. So this isn't something we can solve right now, right? There are a lot of things being worked on that. For that sure. I can solve it. Solutions. Uh, but I, I kind of want to discuss the concept of where I personally think this is all going. Uh, and I think you guys probably agree with me, but it's headed to the point of uh, me not having any privacy anymore, right? We're headed that way. Right. And I think it's going to happen, right? You're going to know my thoughts soon. And then everyone's going to know my thoughts pretty soon after that. And then we're all just going to share thoughts. And so in the on the way there, there's the question of, well, what happens if you did have access to everything about me all the time? If you had a live stream of what I was thinking, if you had a live stream of what I was doing, if you knew what I was buying, what I was selling, who I was hanging out with, things I've said, everything I've done in my past, it was publicly available and anyone could do anything they want with it. And everyone's that way. What happens then? And does that cancel out the problem? There's does a that make it go away? There's a black mirror about that. Uh, that's the, the, the black mirror where, they, where, where you have the thing in your neck where it records everything you see and do. 
and you can play it. No, back. but it, no, that's different though, because they only show the bad side of it. They don't show they don't show the human part. In in all the Black Mirror episodes, they focus on the piece that's frustrating and don't focus on the reality of it. Facebook sucks right now because I can't see when my friends are suffering. I only see that they're happy, and it makes me frustrated. Oh. I'm not happy all the time, oh. and that sucks. If I could actually see that you were frustrated and crying in your office for an hour yesterday. I would feel good about the fact that I was frustrated and crying about something five days before that. It would balance all this shit out. That's interesting. But, but again, now we're at a place where you only want to share that with the people that you're cool seeing you cry all the time. <laughs> Which is almost nobody. So we yeah. just don't share. This is like classic psychology when people are having problems is, hey, man, right. just tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And oh my God, like, you, you want to back it up uh, that far. We're, we're at a place of like the last time you like the last time you did cry in your office. How many people? How many people did you tell about it? Nobody. You just told me, dude. <laughs> I, know, I, know. Uh, two, I made two? up five days ago. No, five it, days ago. It's, it's absolutely not a bad example because all of us are a little bit like. I mean, I've definitely had moments of of like utter devastation. Uh, uh, you know, in terms of like of like despair, like we all do. And I think that sometimes the fact that 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 we all don't know those times. Uh, I think speaks to a little bit of the whole element of privacy. And, and I think that we're not, we're not thinking about it that way. We're not thinking about the fact that people want to present happiness and strength and uh, maybe present themselves as a happier version of themselves. So they feel like they're happier than they actually are. Again, kind of what Kerb said with, with fake it till you make it. Yeah. There's a Pascal's wager argument. Uh, who's got who? that. <laughs> that- <laughs> Pascal, philosopher, who said you might as well believe in God because eternal damnation <laughs> sounds pretty painful compared to like just a pious life and then eternal salvation, right? And then the counter argument was, but is that real belief? And he was like, well, you have to believe that if you stick to it long enough, you're it just it becomes is, it, a belief. It, it is it is interesting, and, so, it, and it's again kind of ties in once more to. Uh, to the idea that that we all sort of want to believe that we have a little more control than we do. And the only thing we can really truly control in this world are things that no one knows about. You know, like, like, <laughs> yeah, like I, like you can't, I can totally control my, my Gmail password because no, I, I haven't told anybody what it is. And that's the worst possible example. I can control the way that I'm perceived in a workplace uh, by 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 deciding what people see and what people don't see, I can, you know, mm-hmm. maybe that is again back to Jones's idea of, of privacy and freedom. It's like the things that no one knows about is in, are, are are only uh, are only at our mercy, not the mercy of a crowd. And I think what gets people kind of uncomfortable is when the things that you think are only at your mercy um, and can only be used and known by you are known by other people they don't have to be nefarious they don't have to be um you know mm-hmm. uh the, the 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 skeletons in the closet or 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 bad thoughts or or inappropriate behavior um they can be something really really simple search history <laughs> your search I, history yeah, you know what i'm saying though like like that like it like yeah, the yeah. thing that the thing that you have yeah. most it's a it's a it's a pearl jam line. It's uh, I know I was born. I know I'll die. I, the in between is mine. I am mine. You know, it's the 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 only thing that really belongs to you is yourself. And 
you populate what yourself is uh, by the passage of information that is public, the passage of information that is private about who you are. And if you don't have that anymore, then you don't have yourself anymore. And I think that that's the thing that that makes uh, that makes you take a twenty minute poop like Herbert. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I feel like I have no way to wrap this up except to say like <laughs> past that point, you got to just decide how it feels to have a certain subset of things broadcast. But it seems weird when you do it by mistake, and then we sort of have a mess to clean up, whether it's a public conversation or straight up laws. Yeah, got to get past. Uh, yeah man well i don't know how to wrap this one up it's crazy i'm not i don't feel like if, if i tell people to delete facebook then they won't get the notification reminding them to what to listen to our episode and we get traffic off of facebook that's a fun way to re- yeah what are you guys doing right now i'm curious how this is affecting each of you and what your thoughts are I but you had deleted facebook before this right a while ago uh no i just wasn't active on it i officially deleted okay. it uh, recently uh, but you had I, an event. I did have an event. A proper, <laughs> yeah, like, you know what? This is not a safe place for me yeah. and my right. life. I had people threatening to kill me via Facebook. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's perhaps a bad example. I think what I, I think what it is, is is being very vigilant and understanding that everything you do on the internet, someone is watching and deciding how you feel about that. And if you don't, if you are uncomfortable with that, find another way to do it. Man, there's so many places you we know. could go with this episode. Because I was that just, I was just, heavy. this doesn't need to be part of the episode, but. but I was just thinking about specifically in your profession, you have to be known to be successful. And by being known, you expose yourself to those situations where you did something so profound and great that it prompted horrific response and extremes on both sides, right? It's funny. And there's, and there's no way around it because even if you can't control it, you're still putting right. your name on something and, so, and it's going to be out there. Even if you're not promoting it yourself. Um, that's why Alan Smithy exists. And Kerb knows <laughs> what Alan Smithy is. Uh, oh, yeah. Alan Smithy, uh, I don't know if you know Jones, Alan Smithy is like the sort of universal shorthand for a director that doesn't want to put his name on a movie. Oh, interesting. So like, like Coppola has been Alan Smithy before <laughs> and other people have been Alan Smithy. So go to IMDB, Alan Smithy, uh, S-M-I-T-H-E-E. And a whole bunch of movies somebody was ashamed of for some reason. <laughs> right. And and every, but, but they're all people that, that are big enough to be ashamed, too. So oh, it's right. like, Razor 4 is the first one on IMDb. <laughs> uh, which, is, which gets us back to a frequent topic of conversation and maybe a way to get out of here. This is the value of the pod of, of the we talk about the podcast dynamic all the time. The idea of like having this conversation and then just going, OK, I'm going to broadcast it. Just changes mm. the dynamic in yeah. the conversation. I mean, I forgot so, we were doing that, but uh, okay. <laughs> it turns into a medium that seems to be gaining steam in terms of people paying attention. <clears throat> then they're picking the things they pay attention to, and now you're in this thing where, did you always have a choice of morning newspaper? I mean, I guess. No. So uh, that's not, not everywhere you didn't. Like Chicago, yes. New York, yes. We're Baltimore, like no. swaths of the planet. You don't have a choice, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Like the U.S. <laughs> Apparently, no. Well, follow us on Twitter. We're pretty active there. Everywhere else, you'll just kind of get notifications that Zengineering exists. Yeah, and I'd like to say to, to you guys, it's always fun talking to you and everybody listening. It's been fun watching you. <laughs> <laughs>